0: to my living room. (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, Pastor Mike talked about Ephesians 1, where uh, we were dealing with people in Ephesus. um, And in Ephesus, they were um, a significant city in the Roman province of Asia. Um, It's now known as the modern-day Turkey. Um, It was the center trade of culture, religion. It was the ancient world. They called it like the seven wonders of the world. And they worshiped different deities, and they were superstitious people. And Paul was telling the people of Ephesus that Jesus really gave, um, and they didn't have to pay these deities for freedom. Jesus didn't die to create the religious system um, so that you give more and you do more so that way you can earn. And the people today are acting just like the Ephesians and are uh, used to providing for themselves, but God, Pastor Mike was saying that we are sons and daughters of the kingdom of God, and and God wants to shift us from trying to earn something to then just receiving it freely, and that's what Pastor Mike was talking about in Ephesians one. And when Paul writes this letter to Ephesians, he's addressing a a diverse community uh, of both both believers of Jew and Gentile, and who had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so as I was looking at this uh, history of what Ephesus looked like in the ancient world, I was thinking about what we have presented here today and online, when we have just this unity of people, this diverse community of every ethnic group. And as we look at Ephesians 2, I want you to think about and read it as if Paul was writing letters to you today, this letter to you today. So, Ephesians 1 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, We are subject to God's anger just like everything else. And so in this passage of Ephesians 2... Um, he's speaking about transformation and separation, and as as we begin this message, I, I just want to pray and, and just ask God to be with us. So Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would be with us, that we would hear your word, and that we will be doers of your word, and that we would uh, lay down the things that you would want us to lay down, God in every area, to receive the free gifts that you have given us, which is your grace. So we thank you, Father, that you would be with us as we hear and as I deliver this word today in Jesus' name, amen. So he he speaks about the transformation from separation from God and having life in Christ. And before coming to faith, people were enslaved to sin and following their own desires and it was leading to various sinful behaviors. And Paul was reminding them, hey, you were spiritually once dead. Don't you remember when you were there? And it made me reflect on my own self, thinking about when, was I, when I was spiritually dead before coming to Christ, what did that look like? Um, it's been like half my life already. And, you know, the older you get, sometimes you forget. But I was thinking about that, and it really made me think about what I believed before and and there was there were things that I believed growing up and things that I was that I was taught from my my family but also in society um, and so there was a lot of mixture in the things that I was learning between my families my tias my mom there were just a lot of different things that we were learning. And so I had learned that I needed to do these things to receive communion. There were things that I needed to do and confessions that I needed to make and pray, and a certain amount of prayers that I needed to do to receive forgiveness. That's what I learned growing up. And then with society and what was happening around me, um, I, I also believed that um, I could look at the horoscope. So I would look at the newspaper every day and I would read my horoscope just to see how my day was going to go. Anybody uh, ever did that before? I know I did, but I didn't know any better. What did I know? And so we follow the ways of the world where we're under the influence of the devil and we're taking on different natures that's separating us from our relationship with God because it surely was separating me. And so when you're taking up that nature that isn't yours to take, we weren't created to take up that nature. It's the nature of the flesh, and that's not what God had for us. And so Paul is saying that you're living in this old nature. You don't have to live in that old nature. And I want to encourage you today, some of you may be still living In that old nature some of you may still be living in some of the old destinies over your life God wants you to give over his old nature he wants to give you a new nature even if you're a believer he still wants to give you a new nature we don't have to be like the people of Ephesus thinking that we have to do all of these things to receive that new nature And when we become subject to God's anger is because our hearts are hardened towards God. Sin wages war against the holiness of God. In Romans 8, 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. When we are under the influence of the devil, we are living our own carnal nature. And there's in Galatians 5, they talk about the carnal nature and what that looks like, the, the fruits of the flesh. Uh, Galatians five nineteen twenty one 21 says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so when I look at uh, Galatians 5, I look at the fruits of the flesh and I'm like, man, I've had outbursts of anger. And the one thing that I really wanted to hone in on and look at it was selfish ambition. Um, I'm a counselor and I counsel people and I pastor people. And I see when um, sometimes when there's marital um, things happening, I see this selfish ambition from whichever spouse it is. And it's like, oh, they're getting on my nerves. I I don't love them anymore. I fell out of love with them because there's a selfish ambition that's happening inside of them. And it's like, I need to look out for me and what's best for me. And so No one else matters when you have selfish ambition. I'm going to take what's mine. And you end up being a taker. And you hurt the people that you take from. When we are self-indulgent, we follow all the ways of this world, living in the fleshly desires. People have multiple partners. Um, Sometimes you can become a liar because you need to cover yourself up. Cheaters. Cheaters all because you're looking out for yourself. If your situationship doesn't work, you can move on, you can find another, and we end up in toxic cycles in our lives. And I've watched many people stay in toxic cycles and sometimes I'm like, come on, get out of that toxic cycle, just say no. Learn and teach people how to treat you. How about this one, idolatry? Any Anybody here have idols? Come on, don't lie to me, people. Come on. The people of Ephesus, yes, they had idolatry. They, they paid different deities to, to earn their freedom, and they thought that was the way. But there are many of us that do have idolatry in our life. Uh, maybe you don't do it like the people of Ephesians, but there's money that's an idol. The living the American dream could be an idol in your life. Your car could be an idol. I made this joke last service. I'll make it again. Um, My father-in-law, his car was an idol. He used to wax that thing every day. (laughs) I hope he's not watching. But the ways of the flesh and the world tells us, live how you want. Be whoever you want to be. You can pick whatever gender. There's multiple of them. Just do whatever you want. That's what the world tells us. That's what society is telling us today. And so when we have our own desires and our own, uh, own agenda, we follow them. And we rem- and, and I, I just remember when I was younger, I always used to say, oh, follow your heart. Just do whatever your heart wants you to do. I was so Ignorant. And so lame, thinking, following your heart is is the best advice you can give somebody. But our hearts are wicked. That's why David says in the Psalms, create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a right spirit within me. Because there is a necessity for renewal and transformation. Verse 4, but God, but God, y'all is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead it is only by God's grace that you have been saved for he raised us from the dead along with Christ And he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united in Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all the future and all the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this it is a gift from God. And so he, he, what he wants to do is he wants to raise a banner and he wants to say to all the future ages, the ones that are going to go before you, and he's going to say, look at the kindness and the goodness that I have done for Alex. Look at the kindness and the goodness that I have done for Hermina. Look at the goodness and the kindness that I've done for Brooke, for Chrissy. Look at the kindness. I wanna tell all the future ages of what I have done. But it's not through anything else but through Jesus Christ. It is him and him alone that it was done. But through God's mercy and love, the new believer receives through God's grace, which is not earned through the works, but it is received by faith in Christ. He wants to show us all that what he's done for us because we are united in him and he has us seated with him. He's telling us, Hey, you have an inheritance and you are seated with him in heavenly realms. I don't know about you. I don't have an inheritance from my family, but my heavenly father gave me an inheritance. And I think that inheritance is pretty dope. I'm seated with him. You're seated with him in heavenly realms. And so there we have some authority in us. Because we're seated with him. You can't earn a gift. So it's like if my husband, he bought me a gift and he wrapped it in a pretty red wrapping paper with a big red bow. I like the color red. It's pretty. And if he gave it to me and I opened it and I'm like, oh, my God, this is what I wanted. And I put it on. it's something I'm wearing in my imagination in this pretend story. And He says, okay, now give me $200 because that's what it cost me. Guess what? That's not a gift. A gift is free. I mean, when you go to somebody's birthday, you don't say, okay, now give me back all my money that I spent on your gift. We don't do that. A gift is free. Salvation, verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So no man can boast. I was thinking about this and, and some you know I'm 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 standing here in front of y'all preaching the word and it was something that I always knew there was a call on my life, but I remember thinking, man. as amazing as I thought I was going to be. I fantasized or romanticized that I was going to be much more amazing. And then I read this scripture in verse nine, so that no man can boast. And I said, okay, God, I'm humbled. There is nothing that I can do to boast, to look better, to look more amazing, because it is only what you've done. Only And because it's the good things that he planned for us long ago. He planned for you right here in this room. He planned for me standing here in front of you long ago. We have been credited with this grace because of the cross. Because of the works of grace, it transforms us from being spiritually and morally dead. But it is only Jesus that can give that to us. No works. We can't boast thinking, oh, I did that. Just like Pastor Mike said about last week, it's not a formula. Because if it's a formula, it's witchcraft. We can't say, oh, I fast because God is going to give me this or that. It's no one can boast. No one. No man. And God's works, it should flow from what God does in us. And it shouldn't be God's work in us that flows from our works. The reality is God redeemed Israel before he gave them the commandments. It was always his purpose for the works to flow out of his grace. Even the people of Israel couldn't understand that part. And when I think about the people of Israel, if you, think, if you read through the Old Testament, they didn't understand it. They didn't know that before the commandments even came down, the tablets came. That he was gonna have, a, that they were gonna have a redeemer. And sometimes we also struggle the same way to know that we've been redeemed. Ephesians two uh, eleven. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Uh, as I was reading this, I read it this way. Don't forget. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God, and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood. Of Christ, And I look at that, the but now. In verse 4, it said, but God was rich in mercy. And in verse 13, it says, but now you have been united. But now you have been brought near to him. And sometimes we need to put a but God in front of our situation and a but now because the but now is a declaration of what he has done. But God saved my husband. But God saved my marriage. But God saved my family. But God gave me new desires. But now I am united with him. But now I'm seated in heavenly places with him. But now we are in unity in family. But now we are different We need need to allow the new order of God to happen in our lives. Because what Paul was showing them by saying, but now and but God, is there's a new order happening. Allow God to do the new order in your life. He wants to change your desires. He wants to change your situation. Verse 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law and with its commandments and re- regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups, the Jew and the Gentile. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. So he says, He's our peace. Jesus preached peace. He is our peace, but he's removing that dividing effect of the law and the dividing wall that shattered in Christ. Because he's our peace. And Paul, he was writing this letter from jail, from prison, because he brought a Gentile into the temple and you weren't allowed to do that. And so he was in prison. And Paul, he was, contend- he was contending for racial unity. It's recorded in Acts twenty-three twenty-three that the Jews and the Syrians were killing each other in the streets of Caesarea. Kaysir- And so, like Pastor Mike says, we're going to blame it on Paul. We blamed it on James, now we're blaming it on Paul. If God broke through the wall of hostility and he put it to death, some of us, we come into a worship service and we have hostility against a sister or a brother. And we think we have peace because we're in this environment. But what I propose to you and I want to encourage you is do you have hostility between a sister or a brother in your life? When Christ said, I came, my body was broken, my body was bruised, so that way you don't have to. I created one people from two groups to create unity. And so if you have hostility with your brother, that's not what I died for. He came to shatter the divide. Verse 17, he brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us and the Jews in that time in Ephesus, uh, many people were jealous of them because they only had one God. And, you know, all the other people in Ephesus, they worshiped many gods. And so they followed all these laws and all of these rules. And some of the Jews, after even accepting Christ, they were still leaning into the laws uh, and the customs of Judaism. And Paul was showing them, hey, you don't have to do all of these things. It's, it's almost like if it cheapens the work of the cross if you feel like you still have to do this. And how many of you uh, break rules? Anybody? Anybody break rules? No all saints in here? Okay, all right. We got some honest folks. Um, how many of you drive? How many of you actually stop all the way in the stop sign? Yeah. We break rules. You break rules. You know, I remember... Uh, Uh, I I broke a rule too I have one better for you How about when you're on the highway And you cross lines And you don't wait for the dotted lines You go over the solid lines You do that too That's a a rule breaking thing too I got pulled over for it a few weeks ago (laughs) Yep And the police officer pulls me over And he's like Ma'am, my son is next to me My son Elijah Hey Elijah, see him there He's next to me in the car, and he's like, so ma'am, you uh, crossed a divider? And I'm like, and my son's like... (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even have to make a sound. It was like I heard it when he nodded, like, yep, 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 she did, Mm mm-hmm, officer. And I'm like, bro, why you gotta do me like that? I mean, I wasn't gonna lie, but, you know, it was already too late to say anything. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I did, I crossed the divider. Sorry. I got a ticket. And I had to go to traffic court. They have something called traffic court. I had never been to traffic court before. And they go and you go before a prosecutor and they offer you a deal if you plead not guilty. And I'm like, but I did it. I didn't. I'm not going to plead not guilty. I'm a pastor. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Not only am I a pastor, but I'm a saint. I'm a saint for his kingdom. I'm not going to lie. So they lessened, they actually lessened my my sentence or they, they made it as a parking ticket um, violation. And so they're like, okay, go to courtroom number five. And I was like, there's a courtroom you got to go to? So I go to the courtroom and I'm sitting there and all these people are sitting there and you get read your whole violation in front of everybody. And I'm like, we're gonna do this okay I guess we're all here doing the same thing so we're here but you know as I was I was sitting there just listening to the person announcing okay this is the violation and we asked the court to lessen it to this and change it to that I thought man that's like Jesus our sentence was lessened because of his blood it was lessened I know mine was praise God But we all broke, break rules and the Jews, they were following the rules and, and they were cheapening the grace of God. They were living in Christ, but not really following him. They were still following their laws and not receiving the grace he gave. And we don't have to strive to be accepted. Jesus did it for us. So we don't have to cheapen it. You can go ahead, Kyle. Oh, okay you can't earn a gift verse 19 says so now you gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners you are citizens along with all of god's holy people you are members of god's family together we are we are his house we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself we are carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord through him you Gentiles are being made part of this dwelling place where God lives by his spirit and Paul emphasizes unity in the believers regardless of their backgrounds I want you to take a look to the person to the left or to the right of you, and those of you online, I want you to write down the city or the country that you're watching from, and once you finish typing that in, I want you to look at all of the cities and countries that are represented there. Regardless of your neighbor's background or the place that you live, you are here in this moment together. This unity in this room and online it's possible because of christ's sacrifice on the cross it broke barriers between jew and gentile and it's still breaking barriers today tell me that that is not a power that only the blood of jesus can break No political party can bring unity the way Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross did for us and bringing unity to us, one in Christ. We are citizens of God's kingdom. Believers are no longer outsiders, but citizens. We are members of his family. The citizenship is not based on ethnicity, it's not based on where you live, it's not based on the member of your family, it is based on Christ. It is built on Him and we are His holy temple. He is the cornerstone. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we belong. Doesn't it feel good to belong? to be accepted we feel content when we're accepted and when we belong and adam and eve they had a garden set out for them a beautiful beautiful garden and they were able to do whatever they wanted in that garden and eve she went and she grabbed the fruit for herself that she wasn't supposed to grab and many of us we're like eve We're still taking the things that we want for ourselves instead of taking what God has already provided for us. And God gave her all of these things, but she didn't take it. She didn't take what God was giving her. She took what she gave to herself. And we need the Eve to come out of us and say, "God, I don't want what what I want to take for myself. I only want what you want to give me. I only want what you that relationship. I only want what you have. That guy, that girl. I only want what you have for me. And if it's not them, God, I want to crucify my flesh, change my desires." God gives us abundant provision. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? God desires to satisfy and fulfill his people beyond what they can imagine. Instead of seeking fulfillment in worldly things or or striving to gain his approval, We as believers are encouraged to trust in God's abundant provision and rely on his power working within us. Your satisfaction does not have to be satiated in sin, but in your satisfaction, it can be solely dependent on your Savior. God wants to satiate us and he wants to satisfy us more than we can think about sin and he is so much better than these things. Back in 2012 we lost our home due to Hurricane Sandy and we lost our possessions and we lost our our memories were gone and sometimes you have to be unsheltered to rely on him. And we, have, we may have been unsheltered, but we knew, God, we need to rely on you even if we don't have a home. We had to move past all of those possessions that we lost, all of those pictures, all of those diapers that I lost because I had a new baby. And during that time of, of us being homeless... We stayed at a family member's house for eight months and a a friend of mine today said, I heard your sermon and you said eight months and, and eight is the new beginnings. And God did it for us, he did. We had a new house and it was exceedingly and abundantly more than I could ever have asked or imagined ever. I had plenty of diapers. God was our shelter. God is a giver even when something is taken away. Today, he wants to give you this free gift of grace. People can't cancel God's calling that he has for you. And you may have brought the house to make yourself feel safe. And sometimes we may lose that house, but God wants to righteously fulfill it. And it may have been works of the flesh for you to get that. But God wants to righteously fulfill and he wants to shelter it. Because he can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could could ever ask or imagine. And if that's you, and you want more out of your life, and you say, I don't want my sinful desires. I don't want to live by the fruit of the flesh anymore. I want to receive the free gift that God has given me. I want you to lift your hands and repeat this prayer with me. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Wash away every sin. Breathe breathe in me a new heart and a new spirit within me. Lead me to walk in your way. I wanna leave my old life behind and start a new life with you. No more mixture, no more sinful desires. I want to be consecrated in you, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's sing it out.